My name is Isabel Clausen, the host of the Girl God's Got You podcast. This podcast was created to remind women that girl, God's got you, and he wants to help you live the life you were created to live. Have you ever struggled with believing in yourself, having fear about navigating your future, understanding your life purpose, or managing overwhelming stress? Well, if you've gone through any of these experiences, then this podcast is for you. And I want to encourage you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter how much someone hurts you, no matter what level of self-confidence you have, no matter how much fear you have about the future, God is here for you no matter what. Girl, God's got you, and he always will. I hope you enjoy today's episode. got you podcast i'm super excited for the episode for this evening it's currently 11:04 at night i really should be doing my economics homework but i'm not because i'm over it so there's that but today we're going to be doing a podcast about the main bible verses that have changed my life and i'm going to be sharing six bible verses originally it was going to be three but then i kept thinking about it and then i kept thinking about different uh, Bible verses that I've read in my life and then I uh, was you know talking to God and saying hey like you know what different Bible verses do you think people want to read and I thought of different topics and then I just found six Bible verses and they all have spoken to me and some I've read so much ever since I was like you know eight years old and some I've recently come across or have kind of refound again and I love them and I want to share them for people especially when we're feeling overwhelmed or lonely, or don't have a lot of confidence. I feel like those are the three kind of sad emotions I feel when I'm sad. So I thought, what good Bible verses could I share that can really encourage people when they feel that same way that I feel sometimes? Because we all feel down, and I personally think that reading a good Bible verse and praying to God is the best way to feel better because he is the author of our souls. He's the author of our hearts. He knows exactly what will make us feel better. And I just think it's a great way to just say, hey, God, I'm not feeling that good. Can you help me out? So I'm going to be sharing these six Bible verses, and I hope they really resonate with you. All right, so the first Bible verse I want to talk about is one that I have considered my favorite, or at least one of my favorites since I was about nine years old, and it's Psalm chapter 139 verse 1 and it states, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Now this Bible verse has kind of told me many different things throughout my life. As a little background, um, ever since I was nine years old, I was always a very nervous child. And I know the term, you know, anxiety is used loosely um, just in today's social media, in the, the, this generation. I feel like everyone says they have anxiety. And when I was nine, which was, you know, 11 years ago, that wasn't really a thing. People didn't say, oh my gosh, she just has anxiety, which not saying that people do or don't have anxiety, but it wasn't really a, a term used. And I always would say that I was just always worried and nervous just because, I don't know, I just had, I was just nervous, had like weird thoughts and I just stressed out about things and I'm a perfectionist. So if I thought I was weird or I thought something was wrong or maybe I was not making the right decision or maybe I was just stressing out about something, I would overthink it and I would always be nervous. And it was just a really hard time when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old. And I just was always stressed out and just nervous. 
And I don't know, I just, it was kind of a hard couple years, but this verse always gave me so much hope because it says right here, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And when I was nine years old and I was kind of struggling, figuring out what to believe, what to think, because like when you're nine, you're not a little kid anymore, but you're not, you're not a teenager yet. You still have a few years. So you're kind of in that weird in-between age where you don't really know, you don't really know like what age you really are. I don't know if this is making sense, but I don't know. I think just nine years old is a weird age because you're not a tween, you're not a teen, but you're not a child. So it's just kind of, kind of odd. But I got through it, obviously, because, you know, <laughs> I'm 20 now and I'm a healthy human being. But when I was younger, this verse really told me that even if I'm worried and stressed out, God still knows my heart. He still knows my thoughts and he still knows um, just who I am. And even if I'm kind of confused about who I am or what stage of life I'm in or, you know, what the heck is going on with my life, God still knows. And that gave me so much hope that even though I didn't really know what was going on or what was happening to me, I knew that my creator and my father and my author knew. And that gave me a lot of hope and made me feel better. And now, um, 20 years old, uh, going to graduate college in the spring, a lot of life changes coming up. This verse also gives me a lot of hope knowing that, you know, he, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know my heart. You know my deepest desires, and uh, I just pray that they line up with yours. I pray that uh, your will will become my will. And I don't know if any of you guys are listening, you know me. I'm sure most of you do, but anyone who's listening who maybe doesn't really know me that well, I am a big control freak of, of my life, of course. And some people would say, oh my gosh, you're a control freak with me, blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, when I'm in a group project, I'm the one in charge. Because if it doesn't get done... You don't want to see Isabel when she's really stressed out. But anyway, so I'm kind of a control freak, especially in my own life. And so when I don't really know what to do and when I don't know what God's will is and when I'm trying to figure out what decision I should make, I think, okay, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know the plan you have for me. You know the end result. You know how I'm feeling. I think sometimes we deny the feelings inside of us because we want to feel strong. We don't want to feel weak. We don't want to say, oh, you know, I'm not okay. I can't handle this. But honestly, guys, God knows you so well. He knows your hearts. He knows even the things you don't know about yourself yet. So this just gives me, this verse gives me so much, uh, what's the word? Not clarity. I would say peace mixed with just joy that even if I don't have it figured out, God does. He knows my past, present, future. He knows all my plans. He knows my heart. He knows how I feel. And when other people can't figure me out, I know that God has me figured out. And even when I can't figure myself out and I'm confused in my life, I know God does know. And so this verse really helps me. Um, it's kind of a unique verse. Not a lot of people, I think, really think about this verse. I think they think of the other verses from Psalm 139, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But this first verse in this chapter just is a great thing to remind us that God knows you and he loves you and he will help you figure your life out when you don't know what to do. So the second verse that has really changed my life is John chapter 13. These are actually two verses, 34 through 35. I love it. It says, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And I, there's so many verses I want to say, oh my gosh, this is my life verse. I think every verse in the Bible should be our life verse, you know what I mean? Because it's just the best instruction manual on how God wants us to live our lives, not just for our ch each other, but for others so that we can have peace and be content and enjoy our life here on earth because it's such a blessing that we get to live a life that God um, gave us and he died for us so we can have even more freedom and live a great life and serve him. And just the Bible is awesome because it kind of tells us what we should do when we're confused on what decisions to make in life. But I think this is one of the best guidance Bible verses, and I know it's so broad. You know, love one another. But the biggest part about this verse 
that I think is so important. Uh, it's the second part. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And this is so important because I think a lot of people either walk away from Christianity or don't give Christianity a chance because there is a Christian out there who is rude to them or who condemned them or who was just super angry at them and did not show Jesus' love at all. And because of that one Christian, this person thinks that every Christian is mean like that. They think that every Christian is bigoted and rude and condemns other people and hates other people. But you know what? Not all Christians are like that. And God calls us as Christians to be little Christs, as the word Christian means. And so if we're going to act like Jesus, we have to love like Jesus, okay? So this verse says, okay, by this, everyone will know you're my disciple if you love one another. And sometimes I struggle with this. I think, okay, how can I show people I love Jesus? How can I hang out with the right crowd, but also show people who maybe aren't part of the right crowd about Jesus? Like, how do I get that balance? Do I make new friends that aren't Christian? Do I hang out with people that are Christian? Like, who should be in my friend group? How should I talk to people? Should I bring up Jesus in every conversation? Should I offer to pray to people? Is that weird? I don't think it matters if it's weird, but will it turn people away from Christianity if they think I'm weird? Like, I have all these questions. Like, how do I help people know who Jesus is so they can have peace and joy and live with him in heaven. Like, I just want that for people. I want everyone to know the, the joy and the peace from Jesus. And I just sometimes get so confused on how to do that. And it really stresses me out because I think I could die tomorrow. And I didn't help enough people come to know Jesus. And I just want everyone to know Jesus. Really, I do. And it's it stresses me out <laughs> that I it's hard for me to figure out how to do it sometimes. But this verse sums it up. If you love one another, because if you're kind and you make an effort to listen to someone when they're having a bad day, or you make an effort to text that random person that maybe feels socially awkward and they don't have a friend, or maybe you see someone walking down the street and they're just so sad and you simply smile at them, or maybe you say, hey, can I pray over you? I mean, I know some people think that's weird, but you may have just the right moment and you're in the right place. So there's things we could do that show simple love that does set us apart. And I'm not saying we should be set apart because, oh, we're so cool and like we're so righteous and we're just so perfect. No, I'm just, I'm saying it'll set us apart from everyone else who's just ignoring someone, um, not really acknowledging someone's existence because there's so many times, I mean, I see on my college campus and I mean, I don't, I sometimes think, oh my gosh, I wasted that opportunity to be nice to this person or to show love to them because, you know, either I'm having a bad day or I'm just not that nice that day. And I think, oh my gosh, I wasted this opportunity. I'm not a nice person. God's not proud of me. But besides that, I see a lot of people on campus and you could see someone who's clearly not okay. And the amount of people that just like walk by and don't even look at that person, it's sad. And I mean, we all fall to it. We all are in our own little world. But if we branch out of our own little world and think, okay, I want to make an impact in someone's day. Even the smallest thing can make an impact. And I know so many like motivational speakers say, oh my gosh, just smile at people and just say, I hope you're having a good day and it'll just make their day. But honestly, it does. When people smile at me and say, hey, have a great day, or people just like wave or something, or I don't know, it just makes me feel good because I'm like, oh, that person's so nice. They like smiled at me or like waved at me. And it just makes you feel happy that, oh, you know, I'm not being ignored. Like I'm not just another person in this world. Like someone a stranger cares and sometimes that's all a person needs to feel loved and we could take this a step further maybe there is someone in your class or at your job that you know is struggling and you feel like you should reach out but you don't know if it's weird if it's a good situation and you think it's okay reach out you know make a new friend 
and it can be weird and hard at times and people may think that you're weird but as long as um, you're being safe about it and you're making sure that uh, people understand your intentions like you could totally just share love with someone and going back to the point about being set apart is that most people won't go out of their way to be nice because in this world and what I think it's getting more and more people aren't nice um, people all complain a lot and people are easily offended and people just get mad and they don't want to acknowledge you and they put their airpods in and they keep walking by and I think manners especially my generation have just gone down the drain so just people in general I think aren't that nice or just ignore others so if you're just going to show kindness and love to other people and make conversation and just light up someone's day you could totally do that it's it's so it's much easier than you think and you may be able to help share the love of Jesus with someone. If you're nice to them, you're letting them, you're letting them know, hey, I'm a friend, I'm here for you. They may eventually ask, you know, why are you so nice? Like, why are you so joyful? And then you could share it, you know, it's because I have God in my heart and I just want to share it with other people. And that simple statement could help someone go from being, you know, sad or confused and overwhelmed to in the end having God in their heart because you made a difference in their lives. So this verse really has helped me when I'm having a bad day or when I'm, you know, feeling overwhelmed or I just can't go anymore. I'm just like, I just need to take a break. I just, I can't do this. I think, no, I need to focus my life on lo loving other people and being kind to others and making my life more about other people rather than just about me because my time here is limited and I want as many people as possible to live their life with Jesus in their hearts and having that peace and that contentment because without that for me, I would be just so sad if I didn't if I didn't know Jesus I cannot imagine what my life would be like without Jesus and I don't want any more people to feel that way so if you are having a bad day and you need some inspiration just read this verse and say hey I want to be inspired I want to love others I want to have that determination to go out and just be a nice good person and yeah this verse really will motivate you if you're feeling lazy and you want to lay in bed all day and you can think oh no my life isn't about me it's actually helping other people so before I go into the third verse um, I want to share specifically how Jesus loved us because at the beginning of this verse from John chapter 13 it says love one another as I have loved you so how did Jesus love us if he wants us to love other people the way he loved us let's look back in the Bible and think okay like, how did Jesus really love us? What did he do? What did he do that we could model so that we could share Christian, Christ-like love with other people? So the first thing I wrote down was he was patient and compassionate. And when you read the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it gives the accounts of Jesus' life from different people's perspectives. And it just talks about his ministry, his even his whole life growing up before he, you know, he started preaching uh, around the, the region. He still grew up and he was so wise as like a little 11 year old like he was talking uh, at the temple with a bunch of people and I just can imagine him just you know totally just blowing out of the water all these cool facts about God because you know he was God and people were probably thinking oh my gosh this kid's so cool but really <laughs> deep down he's like actually I'm God but you just don't know it yet <laughs> I don't know I would love to know Jesus as like a, a 10 year old boy that'd be pretty cool he'd be this cool theologian boy and we'd be thinking what the heck is wrong with this kid uh, anyway little rabbit trail but I think he was patient and compassionate when he was younger but especially in his ministry here on earth when he was preaching with the disciples when he was healing people and there were so many times in the bible where jesus would talk to people and he would see that they weren't living the way god wanted them to live but he loved them anyway and i think a great example of this is the woman caught in adultery it's talked about in john chapter 8 
and I'm going to be sharing the passage, um, these verses. This isn't one of like my top six verses, but I thought I should share it because it's a pretty important point, and I want to make sure I'm saying everything, you know, biblically accurate, because I don't want to, you know, plagiarize God or not give him credit or say the wrong thing, because that's not good. So, it talks about in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered. And he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And they stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now the first part of this that I want to talk about is how Jesus was pretty pretty awesome, you know, it was pretty cool. And he said, hey, if any of you guys haven't sinned, please throw a stone. But for those of you that have sinned in your life at least once, get up and leave. And they all left. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, like it's a total mic drop. Like <laughs> Jesus was so cool. But the bigger part of this was when Jesus said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. And I think this is super important for all of us to hear. You see, Jesus was patient. He was kind. He was compassionate. He showed this woman love and forgiveness. But he also said, I'm not condemning you, but I also don't want you to sin anymore. Like he was upfront and honest with her. He said, hey, your life's messed up. You're an adulterer. I still love you and forgive you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not being rude and mean, but I'm judging the situation. And I'm saying, hey, by assessing your life, I think you need to get up and change your life. Because I know that you'll have more peace and joy and purpose in your life if you live the way I want you to live and you live the way I created you to live rather than making all these bad decisions. And the reason Jesus told this to her was not because he wanted to just say, hey, I'm right, I'm perfect, I'm Jesus, go do this. No, he wants her to have a better life. And he knows the way that this woman could have a better life is if she made the choices that made God proud and she made the choices that would be smart for her and that would also bring her contentment and peace instead of her continually, you know, committing adultery, doing these bad things, sinning, and she probably felt lost and confused and overwhelmed and just not feeling good. So that's why Jesus said this to her. And I think this is such good advice for us to live by in our lives because it just reminds me that, hey, we need to love others like Jesus did. We need to assess the situation. We shouldn't condemn and be rude. We need to assess the situation and say, hey, you know, maybe you have a friend or a family member and you know they're not making the best decisions. It is loving for you to say, listen, I've made bad decisions in my life. I haven't lived the way God wants me to live. And let me tell you, I don't feel good. I have no direction. I feel sad. I'm depressed. I'm guilty. I don't have peace. And I wanted to stop feeling like that. So that's why I chose to you know, live the way God wants me to live. And yes, I mess up, but for the most part, I'm just trying to follow the Bible and make good decisions. And living the way Jesus created me to live actually brings me so much joy and peace and comfort because he literally created me to live this way. He didn't create me to live in sin. He created me 
to live the way he wants me to live. And that's why I have peace. And that's why I want you to have peace. So that little narrative I just shared, I hope you didn't get confused thinking, wait, is she talking to me or what? But if you share, you know, that little conversation with someone you care about and you want them to change their life and live a better life, you totally can do that. And that does not come across as rude and condemning and just mean. That comes across as caring and that you truly care about them so much that you want to show love to them and love them just like Jesus did. So I know I've been talking a lot about this uh, this verse. <laughs> From John chapter 13, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, you're only on verse 2. This is going to be a long episode. And yes, it probably will be a long episode, but I just wanted to get the point across. The best way to love others is to love others like Jesus did. One of those ways is being honest, but also being kind. Another way is by showing up forgiveness to other people. I think that is really important and it's really hard to do, but honestly, you know, for those of you that know Jesus, the the biggest act of love he did for us was dying on the cross so that we could live in freedom and, you know, wouldn't have to live in fear that we'd be separated from God after we die. So if we want to love others like Jesus did, we better forgive other people because that is literally what he came to earth to do for us. So I just want to share that because forgiveness is important. But I'm going to get off this Bible verse, even though it's a wonderful one. And we're going to go to Bible verse 3 that's changed my life. And that is Psalm chapter 30, verse 11. And it states, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And this is another verse I found when I was about 12 years old, I'd say. 13, 14, somewhere around there. And the main message I get from this verse is that no matter what happens in life, good or bad, whether God intended it to happen or we made a bad decision or someone else made a bad decision and it happened, God can turn anything around for good. It may take a while, like if your mother dies of cancer when you're five years old, obviously that is something really hard to handle. I know a lot of people think, oh my gosh, like if God is loving, why is there sin in the world? We talked about this in a different episode, but God will turn it back around for good. And it may take a while, especially in, you know, a huge life circumstance like this, but God will turn it back around for good. We just have to think about it and see it. Sometimes it's hard to see it, so sometimes we have to search for it. Sometimes it's so obvious and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was going through a hard time then and it broke my heart. But now, looking at my life now, I'm so happy that happened. And even though it was a hard time, I totally see it now. Sometimes it's not that easy to see, but... God's pretty cool, and most of the time, I think that, uh, you know, he, he could show it to us pretty well. But there are many times where I get really sad for weird reasons at random times. And I'm sure most 20-year-old girls go through this where you just have a moment where everything going on in your life kind of builds up and you just start crying and you just don't really know what to do or sometimes it's late at night and you're laying in bed and it's dark outside and you just feel lonely like I'm probably sounding like such a weirdo but I, I want to be relatable on this podcast so that any of you guys who feel this way sometimes know that first of all you're not the only one but I just want to say that you are not the only one who feels weird sometimes and just lonely and alone and you just don't feel good and there's times where I lay in bed at night and I think of all the things going on <sighs> and sometimes I think wow like I'm going through a really hard time right now and I know a lot of the things I worry about, I would say, oh my gosh, you know, these are first world problems. I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed, which I am. But I don't think we should discredit uh, how we feel 
because there are times where, you know, we really are not okay. And sometimes I have the tendency to say, oh, you know, I'm not okay, really, but I shouldn't complain because, like, I'm so lucky. I have a great life, and I don't, I don't want to complain and sound ungrateful. So sometimes I just don't talk about it, and I just deal with it, which usually I just deal with when I'm sad because I don't like being sad, and I don't want to bring people down. But usually if I'm really, really sad, I will for sure talk to God about it, and sometimes I'll bring it up to someone close to me. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh, yes. When I'm not feeling that good and I'm feeling lonely or sad or nervous or overwhelmed and I just have that pit in my stomach and I just, I want to cry but and I want to go to sleep so I can shut my brain off but I can't sleep because I just don't feel good. I think of this idea, I don't necessarily think of this specific verse because I'm really bad at verse memorization so this verse doesn't just pop in my mind like, oh, Psalms 30 verse 11, you turn my wailing into dancing. Like, I don't think like that but the main message of this verse is, hey, you turn my wailing into dancing. You turn this hard time that I'm feeling, you know, alone and overwhelmed, and you turned it into something good. And when I'm laying in bed not feeling that good, I think, okay, first I have to suck it up because I don't want to live my life just, you know, sad and nervous all the time. But in the past, when I have felt like this before, I ended up feeling better. I tell myself this. I say, hey, Isabel, you felt like this before. And you got out of it because God's amazing. He could turn your wailing into dancing. He could turn something bad into something good. So I'm going through a rough time. I say, hey, God's got me through this once before. He will do it again. And this verse says, you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. So I think of it as, okay, God is going to remove these burdens, these worries off my back. Only when I actually give these worries and these burdens to him. When I surrender and say, hey God, you're in control. I'm not. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why this is all happening happening to me. I don't know if I did something wrong. Why are these people being this way? Like, there are so many questions and there's things that happen in life that we just wish really did not happen. Like we wish they didn't happen, but you know what? They did and we can't take it back and we can't take back someone else's actions or words. We can't take back ours. All we really can do is give the control back to God. So when we give these burdens to him, when we give this sackcloth to him, he will clothe us with joy. He will give us peace. So this verse right now that I'm sharing is for those of you that just are stuck in a rut and you feel like you're going through something hard and you are not feeling good. You're not living life to the max. You're not thriving. You're literally surviving. I just want to share this message with you and say, hey, God has pulled you through tough times before and he will do it again. He will always do it again for you because he loves you and he will always pursue you. He will always chase you down and he will always say, hey, Isabel, or hey, you, my daughter, just give me your burdens. Give me your worries and I will replace it with joy. Just give the control back to me because I know what's good for you. So this verse really has been helping me a lot in life because... I, I, uh, I, I do get nervous and sad sometimes, especially in big decisions coming up. And I've been getting a little nervous and sad about graduation because there's a lot of, you know, big life changes coming up that I'm, I'm not really ready for. And they're just kind of kind of sad. So I'm thinking about this verse a lot because God will pull me through it like he's pulled me through everything else in my life before. And he will not leave me or forsake me. So this brings me to the next Bible verse, which is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and it states, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And now this verse, the message that it tells me when I am feeling guilty or when I feel like I'm not good enough or specifically looking back at my life and thinking of all the bad decisions I've made or all the mean words I said or just when I sinned and I, I know that wasn't good but I did, sometimes I have I have a problem like looking back at all my faults 
And I just tell myself, like, hey, you can't change your past, but you can control your present. You're, you're, you can't really control, like, everything because God's in control. But what I mean when I say controlling your present is you can control your present mindset and your present perspective, which will ultimately impact your future. So when I'm feeling guilty and sad thinking about the past, I think, no, Jesus died on the cross so I would not feel this way. He died on the cross so that I could go to heaven, but he also died on the cross so that in my life on earth, I could live in freedom and have peace so that I can do his work and I could love other people. And I'm not burdened down by my own past, my own hardships, because that slate is wiped clean. Jesus loves me. He's forgiving me. So why should I keep dwelling on all these things? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So every time you're making yourself feel bad for a bad decision, um, you're putting that yoke of slavery back on your shoulders. Every time you're falling back into that sin over and over again, and you feel like you just can't get out of it, you're putting that yoke of slavery back on your shoulders. Anytime you know, you've had an argument with someone and you're bringing up past arguments, you're putting that yoke of slavery back on the shoulders of your relationship. So I'm just telling you that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wants us to live in freedom. So live in freedom for today and live, make the most of today and be thankful that Jesus died on the cross for you. Respect the fact that he died on the cross for you and say, hey, Jesus didn't die so I could waste my life. He died so I could use my life. And that's really what I think about with this verse and it really helps me when I'm kind of feeling down about myself. So number five, verse number five is Ephesians 5, chapter eight. Oh, this one, this was kind of a motivational one, you know? It's one of those you think, wow, like I really want to go out and change the world for Jesus. Uh, it's just a good one. So it says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So I kind of break this verse down into two kind of separate chunks. First, you were once darkness, but now you are light. And this truly, when I think about it, shows that Jesus has transformed me. Okay? He has transformed my life. He has transformed my thoughts. And the old me is no more. I once was in darkness, but now I am light. And I think we're transformed every single day. Because every day looks different. And sometimes we have a day where we're just great. Like we really think, wow, like I made Jesus proud today. Like I, I did my Bible study. I prayed to God. I was a nice person. I impacted other people's lives. I was selfless. Like it was great. Didn't raise my voice. Didn't, you know, make bad decisions. Like it was great. And then you have some other days where you just, Put God on the back burner, or maybe you gossip about someone, or maybe you say bad words and you think, wow, like I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know, it just happened. Or maybe you, you made a, a really big bad decision. I don't know, something could have happened and you knew it was wrong, but you still did it, like something big or small. And, um, you know, we have to realize that, hey, we have sin in us, so there's always going to be the chance that we will fall to darkness. But since Jesus died for us, we could go back to the light in, in seconds. We just have to ask God to forgive us and say, hey God, I want to change my life. I'm so sorry I made this bad decision, but I want to live in your light again. And so I love that first part of the verse, just saying like, it's a transformation. And the best thing about it is we have limitless transformations. You know, they're unlimited. Like we have unlimited chances. Not saying that means we should sin a bunch, you know. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever give up on us. Ever, ever. And that's just so great. But the second part of this verse from Ephesians says, live as children of the light. And I think this inspires me to realize that when I call myself a Christian, 
uh, yes, I'm defining my belief. But when I also say, yes, I'm a Christian, when I was about mm, 16, 17, it kind of hit me in the head that, hey, like, I'm representing Christ. Like, this is a big responsibility. You know, because of me, someone may choose not to believe in Jesus if I'm not acting in a nice, kind way. Like, because of me, someone may miss out on going to heaven and being with Jesus someday. And that, like, hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it's a huge responsibility. When we say we're Christians, people are going to look at us differently, and they're going to expect us to be nice and kind. And, um, you know, just people, I think, we be like, oh, Christian, like, they're nice and kind. But now when people think of Christian, they think of bigoted, rude, self-righteous people. Like, I think, honestly, people get more hate for being Christian rather than someone who's not. Because people, I, I honestly think that people like really don't like Christians, but it's because we're not living as children of the light. We are not taking Christianity as a responsibility. Yes, it's a belief, it's our personal belief. But when we say we're Christian, people are gonna look at us differently because they know that we're living with you know a higher purpose and we have this definition of right and wrong. And so if we're being gossipy and rude and we're acting all stuck up, people aren't gonna listen to us. And they're not going to like us, and they're not want to come to. Je- they're not going to want to come to Jesus. And to me, that's so sad. So when I was like 16, 17 years old, I thought, oh my gosh, like I don't know if people would want to believe in Jesus, judging by the way I'm acting. Like that just hit me. I'm like, do they? Do they not? I don't know. So since then, I have really tried, you know, for the past few years to think, okay, this is a responsibility. Yes, it's a gift. I mean, the, you know, Christianity is a gift. I love Jesus, and I'm so thankful that he he lived this life so we have Christianity to believe in but I also think hey I need to always be on guard and I need to try to follow the Bible as much as possible and make good decisions and be a good example and be kind and selfless because I don't want someone to walk away from Jesus because of me I don't want to be in the way of Jesus you know what I mean like I want someone to walk directly to Jesus because I led them there I don't want them to walk away from Jesus because I said something rude and mean and they thought wow I never want to be like you I don't want to believe in your God like to me that is so sad so I never want that to happen so I would love for you guys to think of this verse and especially think of the last part as just a call to action to say hey take your faith seriously because it really could impact someone's life and hopefully a positive but potentially a negative way if you don't take it as a responsibility that was kind of a smack in the face, but it was also really inspiring thinking, hey, like, I'm a child of the light. Like, I'm going to go out and change the world because I love Jesus and he loves me and he loves everyone. And I just want everyone to know that. So, little spiel. But my uh, laptop is at 2%. So, hopefully I get through verse 6 uh, pretty quickly. It's a longer one, which is so convenient. But it's Romans chapter 8, and it's actually four verses, so I'm kind of cheating. But I'll read it. And then I'll explain it, and hopefully my laptop doesn't die. So it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who don't live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now these verses, literally there is so much truth packed in here. And I hope my laptop doesn't die, but I want to break it down a little bit. So first it talks about how there is the law. Okay, so in the Old Testament, uh, I don't know a lot of stuff about the Old Testament, so if I say something that's not biblically accurate, please like, don't go hating on me. 
But how I see it when I read the Old Testament is that our forgiveness was a lot of the times based on our obligation to do something. You know, Jesus or God will forgive you if you burn this animal. Or he will forgive you if you do this and this and this. Depending on the different type of covenants we're talking about, like there's the Noahic covenant and the Davidic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. I I took an Old Testament survey class, so I'm probably sounding like really like theological, but I don't even know if I'm pronouncing those right. It's kind of late at night. Sorry. But anyway, the Old Testament was a lot about, hey, if you do this, then I'll forgive you. If you do this, then, you know, you'll go to heaven. Your sins are wiped clean. But this verse right here it, in Romans, which is in the New Testament, um, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So it's, you know, kind of a third of the way through it. So it's pretty early in the, old, in the New Testament. And it says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So God realized that, hey, it's not really working out for me to say, hey, you do this, I'll forgive you, because you can't do this. Like, you literally can't. It's weakened by the flesh. Um, the law, you know, it's powerless, okay? It's powerless because it's weakened, so it's not really doing anything. Because we as humans are sinful. We don't get it. We still do the wrong thing. So Jesus, so God said, hey, I love you so much. I'm going to love you anyway, whether you make a bad decision or not. So that's why I'm just going to send my son in human form to die on the cross as a sin offering so that you could live in freedom and so that you're not weighed down by sin. And, and it says right here, And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to do anything. We would just have to accept Jesus in our heart. Uh, believe it in our heart and proclaim it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We ask for forgiveness. We change our lives. And that's all we need to do. We don't need to go burn an animal. We don't have to go do this and this and this. All we need to do is believe in Jesus and say, hey, I love you. I, um, I'm i so sorry. Please forgive me. And right here it says, And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who don't live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this verse, just to sum it up, because it's a late night, it's 12 a.m., I have sweet potatoes cooking in the oven, um, I'm probably going to do econ homework for an hour, and probably going to get up at like 5 or 6 to do more econ homework, so I just need to sum this up, because I need to get stuff done, you're probably done hearing my talk, but to sum this up, God realized, hey, you're too weak, you're too futile, you can't do this on your own. So secondly, I'm going to send my son to die for you. And third, you got you to gotta just love him and live for him. Don't live by the flesh. Live by the spirit. Use the, the death of Jesus as an opportunity to live in freedom, to change the lives of others, and to live in the spirit. So use the death of Christ as freedom to live a life of love, to serve God and love others. And that's really what God wants. To boil it down, I know all these verses are different, but the main thing I get from all these verses is that God wants us to have peace. He wants us to live a good life. And he created us a certain way. He knows the way that we should live that will give us freedom. Like he knows the way. He wrote it in the Bible. He created us a specific way. He created us with specific thoughts and perspectives and talents and just the way we're wired. Like he created us in a specific way 
and he knows which plan will lead us to contentment and peace, and he knows which plan will help us fulfill our purpose and love others. And in the Bible, it gives such great guidelines. And Jesus wants us to have peace, and he knows that living in sin will not give us peace. We will not have satisfaction. We will have unrest. We'll keep on having worries. We'll keep on being depressed. We'll keep on being lonely and sad and rude and angry and have bitter bitterness and resentment if we live in sin. But if we take the death of Jesus Christ seriously, if we say, hey, I want to change my life. I want to live in freedom. I want peace. We should read the Bible and figure out this is the way God wants me to live. And if I want to live a good life with purpose, I should live this way. Because God knows it's the way to live. Because he's the father. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. He knows everything about us. And so I think, hey, if there's this guy out there, you know, this being who knows everything about me, and he has just like the secrets to living a good life, why wouldn't I want to take his advice? Like, why wouldn't I want to read this cool book he wrote? That book is the Bible, you guys. So I challenge you to read your Bible, find your favorite verses. If you like these verses, um, I'm going to share in the show notes, all of them listed down below. So you can screenshot that if you want, read them, have fun with them. Also on my uh, Instagram at girl.godsgotyou, I'm going to share different screenshots of each verse. You guys can screenshot it and like keep them for your phone. I don't know. I don't know if you'll think that's cool, but I'm going to do it because I want to. And I want to share these verses because they've changed my life and I hope they change yours. So I forgot to say this, but hey, girl, if you're struggling in life and you're lonely or you're feeling sad or you're feeling angry, you just don't know what to do, girl, God's got you. He wants you to live life on purpose. He created you a certain way and he knows what plan he has for you. So I challenge you to go pursue God and to say and ask him for advice and say, hey, I want some help in my life. I want to make my life better and I know you know how to do it. So please help me. That's all you need to say. Girl, God's got you. He will give you a good life. He will help your life get better. You just got to reach out and ask him and live the way he wants you to live. So I hope you all have a great uh, evening, afternoon. I have a long night ahead of me, but I'm going to enjoy it. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. So uh, thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and it impacted you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.